Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You know what, guys? I'm going to say it. I still think the Carolina Hurricanes should trade for Eric Stahl. Matt, shut up. Yes, sir. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. I know you guys missed us. We are sorry for being gone for a week. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Uh, This week... I am at the beach. I am on vacation. I am mailing it in. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. But first off, Peter Morazic is back with the Carolina Hurricanes. He returned with a bang. 28 safe shutout against Dallas in his return. And then against the first place Florida Panthers, stopped 34 of 36 shots. And really was the biggest reason he kept the Hurricanes in the game when they didn't play particularly well for the first 40 minutes. Setting the stage for a fantastic final 20. Isn't that the weirdest thing to say? Is the first place Florida Panthers? That is very weird. Like Southeast Division's a menace, yeah, man. They've always been, you know, like a competitive team with you know Barkov, Huberto, and all that. But this year, I guess I, I don't know if it's just everybody's clicking on their team. I mean, they've got Bob playing well, Drieger's playing well. Like the whole team just kind of clicked this year. Yeah, they're yeah. well coached too, right? Like I like I said during the game last night, I think they're a group that really believes in themselves, believes what they're doing. They've all bought into the system, and you know when you're a group that believes in yourself, you can uh, you can really you know accomplish some things that maybe not everyone was expecting from you. So it kind of you know, good, like good for them. It kind of has like a 2018-19 Canes kind of feel to it. Yeah, it's good comparison. Yeah, too bad they'd have to go through us to actually get to the conference finals, right? And we'll be whipping that ass in the second yeah, round. All right. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the deadline, actually, and especially on their back end. Mackenzie Weger is actually playing really, really well. He's kind of had his breakout year. I saw a stat last night that I think he's tied for first in the NHL among defensemen and even strength points or something like that. It was some stat I saw on Twitter. Right. Um and he's been really good, but obviously the Ekblad injury is just a gigantic blow for them. He was having the best season of his career, probably, just really being the elite defenseman they always expected he would be ever since he got exceptional status back in the OHL, however many years ago now. Yeah, um, well, one, one thing they did do is uh, they added Matt Kirstead out of the University of North Dakota. I actually know quite a bit about him. I mean, North Dakota is basically the Sens farm system, right? So. 
<laughs> I've uh, I've watched a bit of hockey that they've played this year, and uh, you know I think Kirstead he he looked he looked pretty good against the Hurricanes, and you know I think he's probably a pretty serviceable NHL defender, and you know beyond just adding him, you know how about ex Hurricanes legend uh, Gustav Forsling first pairing minutes for that group, and uh, you know he actually didn't look half bad, so credit to him. Yeah, how we, right. weird but is these that, guys are pretty know? big step downs from Ekblad, though, right? We're right, in agreement you know, here. <laughs> we're not yeah. saying that well, Kirsten yeah. is going to be like the the um, the top guy for them, but I think you know it's worth noticing or noting that he was probably the best college free agent this year. Typically, a top college free agents, if, if they're a defenseman, probably might see maybe second pairing minutes at like the very highest, but. In reality, they're probably a third-pairing guy if they ever make it to the NHL. But, I mean, you know, that's still valuable, and that's still a huge addition to the Panthers' roster right now, adding a uh, top-six defenseman without having to give up anything at the deadline. I think that's huge. Yeah, and like that's I true. mentioned as well, um, you know, you bring in a guy like Kirstead, and, you know, you bring Gustav Forsling on board basically from the scrap heap. And, you know, now you've got these guys playing valuable minutes, and you're still in a top-three spot. Um, not only in your division, but in the NHL. It's nice to see, and I'm sure it's good for those guys. Speaking of another big injury, and I think one that we kind of need to mention as maybe being at least one of the final nails in the coffin for this Columbus Blue Jackets season, it was announced at the time we were recording that Boone Jenner is missing six weeks. And uh, right now, the Blue Jackets are five points out of a playoff spot, and I think Nashville has a game in hand on that as well. So... What do you do if you're Columbus? Like, do you guys just stick it out, maybe trade a couple depth guys, or do you fold in the rest of the season and kind of try and scrape together some draft picks? Dude, I think they might need to move line A. Do you really think he's going to yeah. resign there at this point? And I think that's going to be a thing to watch in the offseason. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously things have not gone according to plan. The funny thing is, is when when that trade was announced, I tweeted like the second it got announced. I was like, "There's no way that Line is going <laughs> to yeah. like playing for Tortorella." Yeah, it was it was weird for a lot of us for sure, and and I mean, it's played out pretty much how we expected, right? Yeah, it's been a healthy scratch a couple times. He hasn't scored. You know, he's they're trying to play him in a defensive role, which is just mind boggling. They me. want him to be a grinder or some shit. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's. It's kind of like what the NHL is trying to do to Andrei Svechnikov. Oh, God. Okay. So we're going to get to that a little bit later. So just don't <laughs> even get me started just yet. But yeah, I'm thinking that Columbus is going to be a team to watch, and they could make some huge moves at the deadline. I think, you know, if Laine's camp told them they're not going to sign, then you might as well just try and get him for whatever else you can get at this point. You might David get a Savard, pretty good- yeah, Savard. That's going to be Nick, a Nick big Foligno one. Nick is an option, too. Another guy to watch. Uh, Foligno think, might not be a bad option for the Hurricanes. Right. And so, you know, I think Columbus is going to be a team that, that you, you really need to watch at the deadline this year. Um, but, you know, like, honestly, we really need to be talking about how much of a difference Peter Morazic is making to this roster right now. I mean, we have two good goalies in Alex and and James Reimer, you know, both of them were very good when called upon, but then you have Peter Morazic and it's, it's very obvious. He's on just a totally different level, you know? Yeah. Somebody tweeted today. Um, and I forget who it was. I think it was somebody for ESPN saying that the Canes, 
went from being like an Eastern Conference final at best team to a team that could legitimately be a Stanley Cup contender with Mrazek and Net. As we were recording this, and this elicited a pretty shocked reaction from all of us, uh, the New York Islanders have acquired forwards Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for forwards A.J. Greer and Mason Jobst. Um, along with the Islanders' first-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft and a conditional fourth-round pick in the 2022 draft. Um, No word on what the condition is yet on the pick, but, I mean, it probably doesn't matter anyways. That's a crazy trade. Um, Yeah, it's huge. What do you guys guys think? Like, what is New Jersey getting back, if anything, or is it really just they're getting a first-round pick back? I kind of liked Paul Mary um, as an option for the Hurricanes. I mean, He's been on, you know, not the strongest New Jersey Devils teams over the last few years, and he's scored 25 goals or more um, in each of the last five seasons while missing time. I think he's probably scored. Uh, I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to do the math a little better, but he scored at about a 30 goal pace for five straight years and 30 years old, so still right in the thick of his career, and obviously you know, adding another player into their top nine who can finish would obviously, you know, go such a long way for this group, especially as you have, you know, guys like Jordan Martinook and Warren Fogle right now in your top nine, and you're not getting a ton offensively from them. So I did think Paul Mary was a great fit. Um, Obviously, you won't be able to resign him this summer. He's probably going to get, you know, a decent payday on the open market. You know, in the NHL, teams are always looking for, um, especially right shot snipers that, you know, this guy scores a lot of goals, so he's going to be a hot commodity, right? So, right. yeah, I think that's, oh, geez, for what the Islanders are doing. I mean, he fits the bill perfectly for what they need. And um, as far as Travis Zajac, I mean, won't really get in, in too too deep about him. Um, that's a contract going the Islanders' way as like a depth forward, you know? Yeah, but you know what? Well, Quick shout out to him. Uh, lasted 15 years in New Jersey, and, you know, this must be tough for him. So um, you, you kind of hate to see that for the player, but... Uh, you know, maybe he plays a role there in uh, the Islanders' bottom six and helps the group along as well. Right. Well, that's the thing. With Zajac, you're getting face-offs. You're getting responsible defensive zone play. And he's got 18 points in 35 games this season, which is well, – I, I really didn't expect to see that when I just hopped on over to his hockey reference page. You know, I haven't really he, done that great of a job keeping up with he, non-central teams. He was captain too, year. right? I'm pretty sure he's the devil's captain. Is he not? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, so, I you're getting, so you're getting some good leadership in your room as well. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like more intangibles than anything. If a team that's for a team that's kind of gearing up for a playoff run, you know, and Paul Mary, that was a guy that I was kind of hoping the Canes would be looking at um, for all the reasons you listed there. Right shot sniper, guy can put the puck in the net. You know, playing in our top nine, he'd be playing with some good talent and would be put in a good position to score. And you have to think his numbers would jump up here. I thought he was a really good uh, potential candidate for the Hurricanes to grab. Going back so, the other way is a lot, though. That's a first round pick. I mean, is that is it a lot though? I don't know. Because I, I mean, it's a rental. Yeah, like if if you're re-signing him, um, then it's not bad at all. But uh, I'd have to look at the Islanders' cap situation. But but uh, this is a guy that he they have seven million dollars in free cap space, so they're probably not done making moves. Yeah, yeah. that's. But first is that's I mean that's big capital for me. I mean, and is it AJ, though? Because you're getting these two guys, fifty percent retained. You can throw in Zajac on your bottom six, or if somebody gets hurt, he's a serviceable NHL player. He's also thirty five. Right, but you know, I mean, 
so are a lot of players in the NHL. Like that's not that's not going to mean everything, you know. Like he's gonna he's gonna be fine if he does slot into a bottom six role, you know. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. I he's think, not just um, like a warm body, and I'll get to that in a sec. Yeah, I, I think Mary for where is the a Islanders... legitimate top six forward. Like you're getting a very solid player, and yeah, I just. I, I think it's the right price. I actually would have liked to have seen New Jersey actually acquire a decent prospect um, in return because AJ Greer has 37 total NHL games and he's 24, pretty much just a career AHL guy at this point. I don't, I don't see him being anything more than maybe a fourth line player this season. No, I actually then, liked Greer at one point, just to cut in real quick. I actually really liked him at one point because he's big and can skate, and he was pretty damn rugged, but he really didn't pan out. Like, I thought at one point he possibly could. Right, and then you have Mason Jobst, and he's nothing to write home about. He's an AHL depth forward. He's kind of what every college free agent ends up being. He's Andrew Podorowski. Not even because yeah. Andrew Podorowski was at least good in the AHL. It's like a Jacob Pritchard. Yeah, there you go. Signed two years ago and basically yeah, didn't if you make even it past the ECHL, right? Like, but that's the thing, you know. All New Jersey's getting here is a first round pick, basically, and they might get you know ten to twenty meaningless games out of AJ Greer. Yeah, and for where the Islanders are at right now um, as a group, and, you know, you, you kind of think of the holes in their lineup, um, you know, you would probably identify consistent scoring um, as their biggest downfall. Mind you, they have been they have been better uh, this year in that regard, but, um, you know, in that tough division uh, that they're in and from where they are as a group overall, you know, they've been trending in the right direction for a few years. And, you know, you add a big piece like this to your group and, you know, maybe not even just for this year. Uh, we'll see what happens in the summer, but who knows if they can find a way to re-sign Paul Mary. I think he's a pretty good fit um, in that group, right. you know, considering considering what they need and considering some of the players that he could play there with. I mean, Barzell can get him the puck and he can, he can finish on any goalie in the NHL, right? So, and so what I want to ask you guys uh, real quick um, is, so first of all, I'm seeing the... Uh, Kane's fans discord server that I made um, message Kane's prospects. If you want an invite, it's fun. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people saying, well, now the Canes need to make a move. They need to make a move. And I don't think this forces the Canes to make a move. Yeah, I totally agree. But I don't you know think who this I, does. I, who I think it forces to make a move? Boston. And I want to know what yeah. you guys thoughts are there. Cause Boston's struggling mightily in the goal scoring department. I actually think Boston is in, you know, a bit more trouble than maybe people think. Uh, without Tuukka Rask, you know, their goaltending situation, it, it, it's been fine, but it hasn't held up, you know, maybe the same way as when obviously having Tuukka Rask in there and he's he's got an indefinite timeline on him right now. So, you know, they, they don't really know how long they're going to be without him. And, you know, Pasternak, he's been a bit out of, in and out of the lineup all year and you know, David Krejci isn't scoring, you know, they they have some, they definitely have some problems there and they're not getting any, any production basically whatsoever um, from guys that aren't in, you know, they're on their top line. Charlie Coyle has not lived up to the contract he signed and, you know, their depth forwards are just, they're, they're not contributing on the score sheet at all. So I actually think that Boston, you know, I don't want to get too carried away here, but, you know, without Tuka Rask and the way they're, their depth guys are playing right now. I actually think they're in a world of trouble. 
Um, yeah, their window might have closed, honestly, and they do not have much cap room. Their deadline cap space, well, okay, they do have $5 million in dead cap, or deadline cap space. Yeah, so that's plenty of room to acquire, you know, yeah, they Ricard can Raquel, who I think is going to be that's one play. That's literally the guy I was about to bring up for them. I think that's yeah. pretty much the like exact type of like legitimate sniper top six forward that they would go for. Right. Um, that's a guy I think the Hurricanes should be looking at too. You know, I brought totally. that up before, but I don't I know mean, how much that's going to cost. If this is what the market's going to be, it's definitely a buyer's market because I don't think that's a lot for. I mean, yes, this is a guy that's over thirty, but the Islanders with the cap that they have could probably re-sign Palmieri on a decent enough deal. Yeah, and you know, like expansion draft and everything aside, Palmieri might want to walk, but he might. You know what? He might circle back to the Islanders, and I think, you know, this is a really good trade for the Islanders, and I think New Jersey should have gotten more. Well, especially, too, when you factor in that, you know, obviously the Islanders making a deal like this, they're expecting their first-round pick maybe to fall in the late 20s, or, you know, they're probably hoping 32nd overall, right? So it's it's not like you're giving up real prime-prime um, draft capital here, especially in a class that isn't all that deep. Um, so, you yeah. know, if this is what the market's going to be like. I think the Hurricanes should definitely be exploring every option out there. I think we do kind of need to briefly talk about the team again. I think, you know, with Mrazek being back, it's going to be huge. It's it's going to be a big deal for the Canes. Um, but what's it going to take to get Andrei Svechnikov going? Because I think that's something that gets the team over maybe even like a Tampa in the second round. Yeah, well, okay. So here's the thing. The Hurricanes now have a legit one. Like, and and to be fair, Nadelkovich, a lot of this season kind of played like a legit one. Like, he gave us high end goaltending. I mean, you can't really dispute that. But now they've got a guy that like just fits so well with the group. And I mean, I wrote about this in an article earlier. Actually, it was just like he's like a momentum goalie where the team feeds off him and he feeds off the team. And we've seen what that can do even in a playoff run. Now, on Svechnikov. Obviously, this team's ceiling is not going to be reached if he continues to just fight everything. You know, I I was watching the game last night, and it's just like his mind, his feet, and his hands are all going in separate directions. Like, he's just totally lost out there. And I I watched him stare at Ajo, who had the puck at the blue line, waiting for, you know, whoever was on the other wing to get back onside. And Sveshnikov is staring right at him and just skates in the offensive zone and goes offside. Like, stuff like that. Just the little things are so off with him right now. This And you know what? We said getting in better line mates would help, and he, but now he's playing with Ajo, and it looks like Ajo's game's going the other direction almost. He and did have a few good moments against Especially Florida. in the third period. Especially in the third period, and he started to really up his physical game. He dummied Barkov twice, which is oh, yeah. not easy to do because Barkov is a oh, huge yeah. human being. He's a tank. Yeah, but, you know, I think that might be part of the way for him to get back going. Hopefully even that empty net goal that he played a big part in. He had one of those hits on Barkov and Ajo hit Jesper Foss for that emphatic fifth goal. Um, Maybe yeah, that's uh, something that can give him a little bit of confidence. But he, ju- he just needs to settle down a bit. Like, you can see how, how tightly he's gripping his stick out there. And, you know, uh, just 
I think he just needs to simplify things. I mean, I saw a few times just straight drop passes to nobody, um, just nobody even in the area. And I'm like, man, who is that? And every time it was Svechnikov, I just, yeah. I just, I think, I think he's trying to do a little too much. You know, he's kind of uh, trying to force things instead of just, you know, let them happen naturally. And, you know, with how, how good of a talent he is, things usually just happen for him and things are going to go his way if he's not trying to force the issue too much. So I think, I think he's just got to get back to basics. Yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely tell that he's, and Corey Lavalette kind of tweeted this, that the Canes were doing this, but I see it in Svechnikov's game, that there's a lot of I in his game right now as opposed to team. We Yeah, that's fair. Like, Svech is trying to do a lot on his own. And you know what? The game against Florida, you saw it turn. He made a beautiful pass to Jesper Fast and, Bobrovsky made a phenomenal save uh, with the pad coming across the crease. And so he still has that elite, you know, playmaking and elite shot and everything. It's just he's trying to do too much on his own. But if he keeps making those plays like he did with Fast, they're going to start going in, you know? Yeah. So I I think this is just a moment where Svechnikov is a young player and he's got to learn. And this is a big learning moment for him. So. Yeah. Well, and, you know, along with this, this is – this is just part of the reason why I still think this team needs to be in the market for another top nine, at least forward, like my boy, Alex, I follow, but we're not going to keep going there. Um, <laughs> but at this point, I'm getting really nervous about Tavo Teravine. And we did get, I guess, to some degree, some decent news today because he did skate. We saw him on the ice. There's video of it. I think Abby Labar tweeted it out. So that's good. Like, hopefully he's moving in the right direction and hopefully there's no setbacks and he gets to feeling right. Like, We've talked about this also is how tricky concussions can be. So hopefully he's feeling right. And obviously that's a monster trade di- deadline acquisition right there. But even with Teravainen, you know, the second power play unit feels a little bit light. They could use one more kind of playmaking forward and, you know, somebody to plug in on like the third line. And we don't know, you know, health is far from guaranteed. Obviously we've seen that all year because we've had guys go down one after another. And this forward group, without Tara Bynan and, you know, without Trocek, it was light. That team is not going to beat Tampa Bay in a playoff series. That team is not going to beat a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference or league in general in a playoff series. So if they want to get serious and have the, you know, requisite depth for the grind of a playoff run, I still think they need one more addition, and I think it needs to be somewhat impactful. Yeah, I think another um, another kind of route to look at as well is what the status of Brock McGinn um, yeah. is, where he's going to be at. Because, I mean, man, without him, you know, you're losing kind of the glue to your group, right? You're losing probably your top penalty killing forward. And uh, you, you just see the energy he brings on every night and how vital he was even in the playoffs last year. A guy you just rely on, on in every situation, right? So if he's going to miss time, it, I think it makes adding a forward even more imperative. Obviously, you don't really want him um, in your top nine when everybody's healthy. But, I mean, if you don't have him, you just have another huge hole to fill. And it's going to be, you know, a Warren Fogle or, as we saw, Jordan Martinook, you know, propelled into a bigger role that, you know, they're, they're, they're probably just not cut out for. I mean, um, Martin O'Keefe. Both of those he, guys were actually pretty good last night. Like Martin long term, no. Yeah, he was fine last night. But, I mean, this guy had, like, six grade-A chances. And well, we've seen scored the same amount of goals too. as me. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but that's, it just it just goes back to the, to the point where, you know, especially if McGinn's out, then, 
you know, it makes adding a top nine forward even more imperative. And uh, right, well, we have those grinders. Some more depth scoring in your group. Right, if well, we have those out, grinders I mean... to release, replace grinders. Like those are pretty easy to fill on a Hurricanes roster that's kind of filled with them. You know, the top, I, the I top just think six McGinnis forwards so are... valuable. He is, yeah. he is I mean, absolutely. You might, you might I don't want to look it. at finding a McGinn type. Well, I'm not player. trying to undersell him, but. At the same time, I think the Hurricanes have the personnel that they can kind of step into that role and at least be adequate, even though they don't quite provide. You know, McGinn's kind of the top-end grinder on this team. He's like what we want Fogel and all the rest of those guys to be, right? But at the same time, you know, the drop-off from him to a Fogel is a whole lot less substantial than the drop-off from a Trocheck to, you know, a McGinn. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 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 one of those guys goes down and you bump him up the lineup, it's one thing, but having to uh, replace him again with a, a, a Fogel type, you can kind of get by with. Right. Well, I think that we've spent enough time talking about stuff that we've talked about for, you know, really since the start of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we, we have some time now to talk about the only thing that I actually know prospect about this team action. is the pipeline. <laughs> Say hello okay, Matt, people. so who's, who's your prospect of the week? Let's just get right into it. My prospect of the week is the friends we made along the way. Um, nobody's really kind of played um, that like, spectacularly <laughs> lately. That's they a f- cop-out. Give me a <laughs> prospect right now. Um, why did I forget every single prospect that exists? <laughs> why do you even have that account? You have to give it up now. You are right, trash. Right. All right, you know what? Um, uh, how about I offer... Um, a guy who's just it's it's not only been for the week but maybe for the past month um Itu Makiniemi in Finland I was say, um, yeah, he um had a shutout in his team's first game in over 2 weeks which is a pretty big deal and I think you know what like he's played enough he's played well enough this season to warrant an entry level contract now whether he actually gets one is still very much up for debate but I think you know what with the way he's played lately it's definitely worth a consideration Oh, well, I mean, since the Hurricanes signed uh, Beck Warm, which, you know, I kind of thought closed the door a little on Makinami, especially at that point. When they signed Warm, uh, remember, we we were under the expectation that Jack Fon- LaFontaine would be joining the Hurricanes probably right around now, obviously. Decided that's clearly to go, not happening. <laughs> he decided to go back to school. We'll get into that um, in a bit. So I think, you know, this could reopen the door for Ichu Makinami and you know, after the Hurricanes signed back warm, Makinyemi since then, he's been 5-1-1 one, and one with a 1.57 goals against. He's only allowed 11 goals and seven starts and uh, a 946 save percentage. So he's turned it on to the point where, you know, it's almost like he's showing the Hurricanes organization like, hey, don't forget about me, right? And yeah. yeah, like it's been a bit of an inconsistent season for him. Mind you, his team isn't very strong, but, you know, we've, we've been talking about him for you know, a few years about the athletic uh, qualities and, you know, w- what he can become as a goaltender if he can find some consistency to his game. I think at his age, it would be it would be a disservice to the team not to not to at least bring him into the organization and maybe bring him over to North America at some point down the road and give this guy a chance. Yeah, I don't think the door ever shut on him. It's just kind of how it seemed, right? Yeah, right. And I mean, you know what, the Canes are going to know a lot more than we will. Um, sure. about anything and so you know what maybe they were getting the sense that Jack LaFontaine was going to return for his uh, fifth year maybe you know 
the Canes already kind of had that uh, in the back of their heads. So they were like, you know what? Well, we'll keep an eye on you two, but we should probably sign Beck Warm just in case. But you know, like, I, I really do think Makinemi has a shot at being a pro goalie at some point in the future. You know, he's very athletic. I mean, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like a more positionally sound Peter Mrazek. Because I don't and know about you guys. Too, right? He's he's He's, he's got six good size. Yeah, he's, he's got pretty good size. I think Mrazek is about the same, though. But, like, with, with Mrazek, you know, he's going to be out of position a lot. And we saw on at least one or two of the Florida goals, Mrazek was – or actually just the first Florida goal the other night. Mrazek was very far out of position. And that's kind of how you have to beat him, you know? To beat Peter Mrazek, you have to play to get him out of position. You use his over-aggressiveness Nami, against him. Yes, with Makinemi, he's he's not overly aggressive, but he's not like a conservative goalie, like kind of like a James Reimer is either, you know, where you're begging, please, God, attack the puck. He's he's a little more calm and collected. He knows what to do. He knows when to attack, and like the timing of that is really good. And he's athletic enough to where he can, if he gets out of position, he's strong enough to make that push to make, you know, that phenomenal toe save or you know, whatever. But I think I think you know what? There's there's still a chance, but. We're kind, of, we're kind of in the waiting game at this point with a lot of the prospects in Europe. Yeah, and, and his Ilvis team there in Finland, like they really, really rely on him, right? I mean, since Lucas Dostal left, um, I guess at some point in December when NHL camps opened, you know, Makinemi, he has started uh, 31 of 38 games uh, for his club since then. Yes. And- like he, for a 21-year-old goaltender, they really, really lean on him a lot. And this is a team that has maybe they lost their leading scorer Artur Rutzelin into the Sabers. They have Matthias Maselli and Emily Swomi, which his last name literally means Finland in Finnish, <laughs> which I think Elite. is hilarious. Yeah. But that's really it. They they have a handful. They've got Roby Jarventi, who's a decent prospect, but like they're not like a deep team. They're not gonna make like a super far, like a super deep run. But they're great because they have a really good goaltender. And I think that that speaks a lot to um, they're the fourth best team in the league. And a lot of it has to do with how good Makinami has been, you know. There are a few other players I considered for prospect of the week this week. And it's just because, you know, you're getting a lot of guys who are having, you know, one, two point performances. Seth Jarvis has had, I think, three shorthanded goals already this season. So that's definitely worth recognizing. I think it's also worth mentioning Jason Cotton retired and we obviously wish him the best. Did we really consider him a prospect though? Like, in all, in, in all I honesty? didn't. And, yeah. and I'm actually really upset that you guys shot down my uh, Jason Cotton postmortem. We were actually going to do an entire uh, episode on Jason Cotton. Right. It's a huge loss. Yeah, and I, you know what? I feel bad because the Canes didn't even like acknowledge it today. Like when he cleared waivers. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and and then that, that just kind of made me feel bad. Like, you know, it, it's very clear that he just wasn't cut out for the pro game. I mean, I think in 17 games, he had less than 10 points in the ECHL. And that's just not going to cut it as a pro player that's 25, you know? Yeah. But we wish him all the best, obviously. I'm never going to... Any prospect that plays here, you know what? They're valued. Um, and I'm just... You are we wish, loved. We wish Jason the best. <laughs> So, Alex, you just wrote an article uh, for the Hockey Writers about kind of the three prospects that have had a disappointing season this year. And we, we've kind of mentioned them on the podcast being, you know, Kirill Slepitz, um, Patrick Fistola, and remind me of the third? 
uh, Lenny Killinen. Killinen, yes, or Killinen, as they kept calling Killinen. him at the World Juniors, which Killinen. is not how you pronounce his name. And you know what? Like these three, and I kind of talked to you about it. You know, Pistola. I want to defend him, and I I, I don't want to push the panic button yet because you know it's still fairly early in his development, but. It is becoming very obvious that this is a guy that can't carry an NHL line. And you're not picking that in the first round. So thank God the Canes got him in third, you know, but he cannot carry a line in the Liga. And his deployment has been terrible. I mean, he's playing with Brad Lambert, who is, I think, two years away from his NHL draft year, and Samuel Hellenius, who is at his NHL draft year. But at best, I think you're looking at like a third line center with him, you know? So like, Pristola isn't playing with veterans. He's not playing with guys that can help him grow and help him improve. He's he's playing with people who are also in the same situation as he is, you know, and that's just not a good line. Yeah. No, so no, you I... have to wonder if JYP's coach just isn't a good coach for him. You know, we were I was hoping that, you know, this move would be positive. And I mean it has been. He's getting about four to five minutes more ice time per game, which, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. But it's clear that this system just doesn't work for him. Yeah, no, I mean, while while I do agree, like his deployment hasn't really been ideal for, you know, what you'd want and where you'd expect a player to be at at this point. I also don't really think he's really done anything to earn more minutes. When you're kind of billed as a sniper and, you know, you're when you're, you're, your specialty is scoring goals and creating offense and you've scored just four goals in 49 games, I get that the team is struggling offensively and He's trying to do a lot on his own. It's just at any level of pro hockey, you've got to really earn your opportunity. And um, I just, with, with how he's produced, I'm just not sure he's done that. I'm not definitely not going to push the panic button on him yet because, you know, he's a kid with a lot of good raw intangibles. But um, like I said, you, you got to do a little more to earn your opportunity. If you want, you know, if you want top ice time, you're going to have to produce a little more. Right. And what, one thing I'd like to ask you about, you know, obviously – he was mocked by a lot of scouts actually to the to the Hurricanes in their with their first round pick in 2019. Like a lot of a lot of scouts and draft uh, experts, you know, they 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 thought he was legitimately in the conversation for the Hurricanes at the 28th overall when they took Suzuki. He fell all the right. way to the third round. What what what, do you, what would you say is uh, like the main kind of reason for that? I know he's definitely got like a little bit of a lack of foot speed, and that it, was part of it. Yeah, and his his overall game is a little raw, but considering where they got him, it was considered to be probably one of the biggest steals of the draft at the time. So what, what do you think's kind of gone wrong since then? He was a player that hockey Twitter fell in love with because he could score a nice goal. So I think a lot of people who kind of scouted on Twitter, you know, saw the hype kind of generating behind him. And there was like a little bit of an unconscious bias, you know? That's definitely part of it. I mean, I kind of fell for it, you know, in his draft year too. I thought, you know what? This player looks all right. Maybe the Canes take a swing on him when in reality, he definitely should have been available in the second or third round in any mock. I think his foot speed was definitely a part of it, you know, like he, he doesn't have the best stride. And for a guy that is his size, he doesn't do anything with it, you know, like, yeah, he's got a long separating and, and he, he shouldn't. Which is the which is the kind of the the sad thing here? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree, and I think um, you know I think expectations might have got a little unfairly high for him um, at the World Juniors last year. You know, obviously all all fans of every team are 
they're watching the world juniors like a hawk to have a look at their team's prospects and Castola he just he just lit up the world juniors in 2020 for for Finland I'm pretty sure he led their team in goals he was one of the top goal scorers in the tournament and then to go from that as an 18 year old to you know this past winter he didn't even make the team probably because obviously things weren't going well for him with his with his pro club and uh his form wasn't very good but I, I do think expectations ran a little high and uh you know, I, I do think that this is a guy that probably needs a lot more work than maybe we all initially thought or hoped for and is a lot more of a project than we were kind of led to believe when he was drafted. I'm just not sure, like, how well his game just translates to the NHL because of that lack of foot speed. I mean, all right, so what are you really selling when you sell your draft room on Patrick Puistola? He's got really good hands. He's just got a high skill level. But does he think the game super, super well? He doesn't skate well. And I'm just not sure how dynamic you can be, even if you have all the, you know, dangles and net front presence in the world. I I just don't know how good of an NHL player you're talking about there. And that's kind of what we're seeing. Like, even in the Finnish Pro League, if he's not being that dynamic over there, and that game is more predicated on skill and space and – making plays with open ice. I, I, I don't know. I just, it's, it's becoming tougher for me to see him transitioning easily for the, to the NHL. But like you said, I mean, he's still, what, 20 years old? He's got a long time to develop yet. Right, and, and he has two years left in the Kane system. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not like, you know, this is his last year of eligibility and we're looking at the guy that won't sign. I mean, he's got two years to show us that, you know what, this is where he's at right now. In two years, you, you might be looking at a guy that can carry a line. But I mean, right, right. now, you know, if it's he just, can't it's carry a line happening. at the legal level, I do, I do worry. Um, and you know yeah. what, for, for everything Brandon mentioned, um, for all of those reasons is why exactly why we're seeing Tuka Tiaxala have so much success this year. Right. Because you know, he he's got the, speed. he's got the quickness and the speed and you know the the hockey smarts to to be able to take advantage of that open ice out there and he's just so dynamic. But um, and that's well, easy to see translating. Like you can see that working in the NHL with Puistola. I don't I don't see all that much that really will. Right. So and let's I mean, let's he, keep he talking a little better defensively than I think uh, he gets credit for. The problem is again he's just with two guys that are rookies in the Liga. So it's just, he, he's not getting any help. And I mean, yes, he's playing with skilled players, but these aren't players that can help him grow at this point, you know? And I think that's kind of why we haven't seen a ton of production from him this season. But I mean, at the same time, you've got Anthony Honka, who despite a couple games without a point is playing very well this season. Yeah. For, for that same club. And um, I think let's, let's keep things um, focused in Finland here. Um, one more guy we can talk a little more now about. We, have, I mean, nobody ever talks about him as a Hurricanes prospect, but was the aforementioned uh, Lenny Keelanen? Who uh, said Vili Rasanen? No, no, no. Crap. no let, 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 let's honestly talk about Keelanen for once because I feel like he's the least mentioned Hurricanes prospect. Um, probably even for good reason. There's just nothing special about him at all. He's got a couple intangibles that you'll look for in a player and. You know, he's kind of emerged as at least a solid Liga player over the past three years. He's been playing there, you know, right since the Hurricanes drafted him since he was 18. Next season is going to be his his final one, um, I guess, in the Hurricanes organization. But that, though, by this time, 
next year um, we'll be talking about, you know, did he do enough for the Hurricanes to, to sign him to an entry-level deal? Or he'll be looking at, you know, headed, heading to NHL free agency if that's the route he wants to go, If assuming he ever wants to leave Finland and, and give it a chance in North America. But, um, Matt, I, I know you probably follow the situation a little closer than Brandon does. Give us a little rundown of uh, of Lenny Keelanen's game and if you think that he has a place in the organization moving forward. Big dumb Brandon. No, yeah. I'm kidding. We love you. I don't think Keelanen has a future with this organization. And I'm not ready to write him off as a prospect yet because, I mean, a lot can change in a year. And he hadn't played hockey in over a year uh, when he returned to their lineup. So, I mean, you know, I'm trying to give him a little bit of, you know, leeway, but I don't see anything that translates to the NHL. I think he's going to kind of be the Liga version of Warren Fogle. You know, he's a big guy, kind of plays, you know, a solid two-way game. He has a decent shot, but there's no uh, hockey sense in Keelanen's game whatsoever. He can he can't anticipate plays at a high enough pace to keep up with even his own pace, and we've seen that you know that can kind of kill a prospect's value. You know, like if they can't think the game at a high level, that's it. You know, like that you you can have the greatest amount of skill in the world, but if you can't think and you can't anticipate, you're not going anywhere. You know. Yeah, one thing I mentioned in my article too is that. You know, I kind of I, I always forget uh, that it was actually the Waddell regime that drafted uh, Keelan. Because doesn't he feel like such a Ron Francis pick? You know, just a, a kind of a character guy with, you know, just not a lot of upside. And maybe what you would consider a safe pick. And if he, he does get though. to the if he does get to the NHL, he'll be a serviceable player on your fourth line. Yeah. And realistically, he probably can play in that role. Um, like he'll be able to uh, probably in a couple years from now. But well, I the mean, thing is, when he was drafted, he was labeled as more of a skill guy. And then over time, we kind of just realized that's not the type of player he is. He, like, he, he yeah, can't he, think the game enough to be a skill guy. Yeah, he, he, he produced like a, a fair amount in the Finnish junior system. But I mean, watching tape uh, from when they first drafted him, I never really saw much dynamic in his game. Mind you, I haven't really watched full tape of him recently because he's, like I said, he's kind of a guy you just you just forget about because he lacks the dynamic elements to his game. And, you know, there's obviously more like other guys that you're more focused on because right. of the skills they have that can translate into the NHL. And I just think, I think, I think Keelan and, you know, I think he's kind of a guy that, He's just kind of outdated maybe as a player. I think 10 years ago, he probably would have had an easier time transitioning to the NHL and might have might have served a better purpose maybe 10, 15 years ago. Oh, when, yeah, you know, he would have been a top 50 pick in like the 2003 oh, for, NHL draft. For, oh, oh, for sure. Or, like, you know, whichever draft was the worst in like a decade. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I think he's just a guy that's kind of been passed over by modern-day hockey. Like he's not a bad skater or anything, but he just – his feet move faster than his head and his hands. So it's just – I, I agree with you. I'm not sure I, I ever see him getting to the NHL. And um, my comparable for him is, is Phil DiGiuseppe. Um, if yeah, he ever, that's if, a good if one. he ever gets to the NHL. So even that's like a best case scenario type thing. One other huge uh, storyline in Kane's prospect world uh, from this past week was obviously the news of Jack Lafontaine um, returning to the university of Minnesota for his senior season, or it, I guess it wouldn't be a senior season. It would be his junior year there, but um so let's get a little clarity on this. Um, for one, does 
is anybody totally sure if the Hurricanes will retain his rights or if they're still set to lose them on August 15th? And beyond that, what do we think of the move for Jack LaFontaine and for the Hurricanes organization? So his rights as of right now have not been extended past the August 15th deadline. However, I don't know if the NHL really has a concrete like plan in place to see how that works. It's possible that, you know what, he just becomes a free agent on the 15th of this year. And then, you know, come next April, we're going to see teams bid for Jack LaFontaine, the top college free agent. That's just such an unprecedented situation, right? I mean, you don't, it is. You don't and see I think, this often. You know, I think the NHL is trying to figure out, well, you know, is he technically a college student or are they just giving him a year of athletic eligibility? Because if it's, if it's the latter, I don't think his rights will extend. But if he's considered a college student, it will. I think that's kind of my understanding of the situation. Um, and I could also have it flipped. But it's just... Yeah, hold on. So, uh, like, beyond that a little, um, you know, if you're Jack LaFontaine and you're looking at the Hurricanes as, I guess, their organizational depth chart, you know, they, they don't really have any standout prospects. And, you know, the three goalies they have on their roster right now are all pending restricted free agents or unrestricted. Uh, they could all be unrestricted, uh, depending what happens with Alex Nedeljkovic um, for over the last few games of the, the season here. If you're Jack LaFontaine and you're looking at this group from the outside, are, are like, are you not salivating at the mouth saying, you know, I, I have a chance to really carve out a role in this group. And, and, you know, especially with how he's played um, at Minnesota, he's shown that he can be part of the solution. I just it, try and take me through his thought process and going back to school, because I, I just really can't understand it. Brandon, and this is, I'm going to bring you in here. Do you think it's because he, he sees the way they've treated Ned? Oh, God. That kind of speculation never does us any good, does it? <laughs> I mean... It's worth it's worth thinking about, though. Like, yeah. He's not afraid yeah, of Beck Warm, is. is he? Like, I just, I can't understand it. Oh, no, he can't be afraid of Beck Warm. I don't think, th- I don't think that's it. I think, I think what it is, is LaFontaine sees, oh, crap, they let a goalie who was drafted higher than I was and played better than I did at almost every level sit in the minors for seven years and did nothing with him. And now they're ready to kick him to the curb. Yeah. It seems that way. Doesn't it? It kind of seems like he's pretty much going to be pushed to the side already. And it's not like he hates the Canes. I, I, and and this is the thing with the Adam Fox situation, which by the way, Adam Fox, like (laughs) you for ruining any sort of NCAA prospect that the Carolina hurricanes have for the foreseeable future because every not a day goes by where I don't get a mention saying, Oh, I'm worried that this player wouldn't sign. And I know it's because of Adam Fox. (laughs) And what a year he's having to Jesus. man! And I mean, it's fine. Fox wasn't going to sign. There were rumors that he didn't want to sign in Calgary. And that's why they traded him. There were rumors that, he was going to only play for the New York Rangers because he's a little spoiled baby. Why is that? A, that's that pisses me off. Like, it's not even because the Hurricanes were the, you know, team that he didn't sign with. It's just the fact that a kid can do that. Like, that's just right. Bro. It's, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's wrong. It's, it's wrong dumb. Sure. And I mean, you know, like for, for a junior player to have that much leverage, it's stupid. But like, 
you know what? I'm happy that he's doing well, but it's just, I get so annoyed that the Kane, like Kane's fans, I love you guys. I do, but stop asking me, <laughs> stop telling me that you're worried a player's not going to sign because of the Adam Fox situation. Last year about the David Cotton. Was about he David sign? Cotton. Was he it's happened gonna... about yeah. Jack Drury the whole goddamn season. Like just enjoy what, just enjoy what you're seeing in the moment from this team. Stop yeah. waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's a miserable way to live. I'm sorry. Like I'm being. I'll break it down on LaFontaine. All right. College is fun. He feels like he has unfinished business. He wants to go back to Minnesota and win a national championship and, you know, have a college experience that he didn't get to have last year. I had this conversation actually just the other day about myself. Look, I went to Wake Tech for two years and then transferred into NC State. Um, my first year at state, I was <laughs> dating my long-term girlfriend, so I didn't really do anything. I was playing on the hockey team, and then I went home, and that's it. And then my second year, when me and her had broken up, COVID hit. So I didn't. I wasn't going to class. Like I didn't get a college experience, really. And I think that probably is partially playing into what LaFontaine's doing. I mean, he didn't get a college experience, and now he wants to go back, and you know, maybe things are more normal next year, and he wants one more year to go back and play for a stacked-ass Minnesota team and try to win a national championship. As the starting goalie, unlike he was at Michigan, he wants one year of being like a high-end college hockey player. So, I mean, how are we going to fault him for that? Let him go back and have that year. And and you know what? In the grand scheme of things, LaFontaine – the odds on him being the Hurricanes' next franchise goalie are not high. Pretty well. He could be he could be a valuable backup. That's probably a more viable projection for him. But you can find a backup a lot easier than you can find a franchise guy. I think they need to be more more worried about you know Alex Nedeljkovic for one. But like, is, is this just not topic. such such a risky move for Lafontaine? Like you know a move like this, I I almost have to question if this guy you know sees his his future in life as a pro hockey goaltender because I mean you know just where he is right now with the season he just had if he doesn't reach that level next year you know there's going to start being questions of oh was he a bit of a an aberration or is a one-hit wonder or was he a one-hit wonder and you know like as far as his value, uh, as far as stepping into the NHL goes, I'm not sure it's going to get higher than it would right now. Um, anything goes wrong next year, he goes back, say he gets hurt, um, his play just drops off. You know, all of a sudden, your list of suitors goes from, you know, probably a very long list right now to, you know, probably a little more spotty next year. Who knows what kind of offers he'd have? Um, I just, I can't understand it, man. Um, looking at the depth chart, if I'm in his position, you know, you come into this organization, you've really got nobody standing in front of you um, as far as prospects in your way or, you know, anyone else developing down in the AHL. You have no idea what's going on with uh, the pro roster. They don't have a single goalie under contract for next year. Not that he's ready to step into the pros, but I mean, it, it just seems like you have such such a, a good route um, to being an NHL goaltender with the situation in front of you. I just, I can't understand for the life of me why he wouldn't take it. So, you know, I got a question if, if this is what he wants to do with his life, if not, that's completely fine. Um, I just, <laughs> I, don't I think can't it understand has anything it. to do with that. Um, and this is like, this isn't me trying to play devil's advocate. This is what I believe. LaFontaine knows that the Carolina hurricanes being in the position that they're in right now are going to be a team that, Regardless of who they keep on their roster, they're going to have two NHL goalies ahead of him next season. There's no way that LaFontaine would step into the NHL next year. 
Yeah, no, no, no question. But it'd be so, quicker for him to get there if he stepped into the AHL. Yeah, because he's not stepping well, in he, the NHL here's, anywhere. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. And, like, this is this is what I'm getting at. Like, LaFontaine's like, you know what? I'm taking another year. I'm betting on myself, and I'm going to put myself in a situation where I can step in the NHL. Not Maybe even at the end of, you know, next season after he signs. You know, like, I I, I don't think that LaFontaine, like, hates the Hurricanes or – wants to sign with his hometown Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think that's it. What I think is the case is LaFontaine doesn't see a way for him to make the NHL here and that he knows he's an NHL quality goalie. I don't think it's that he doesn't think he's going to succeed in the pros. I think he knows he's going to be an NHL goalie and he's, you know what, he's not going to sit around and wait for the Carolina Hurricanes to open up a spot for him because they didn't do that with Ned. So recent history would show you that the Canes aren't going to make LaFontaine, like make a spot for him, you know? So what you're saying is you think that he's holding out and he's going to snub the Hurricanes so so he can sign with his hometown Toronto Maple Leafs. Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know why he would want to leave Raleigh, North Carolina, the center of the hockey universe, but... Especially to a downgrade like Toronto. Right, you know, just just some podunk town in the middle of nowhere... But no, I really think that LaFontaine wants to put himself in the best situation to make it to the NHL. Whether or not that's with the Hurricanes, I mean, you know, we'll find out. But I can't blame the guy if he's looking at, you know, the situation with Alex Nedeljkovic. And even after how well Ned played, you still hear Brendamore kind of being a little like, yeah, well, he's been good for us, but, uh, you know, Peter's playing. And granted, Peter is our starter, but... Like, yeah, that, that that's super fair. It does kind of feel like the meme where, you know, Andy is like, I don't want to play with you anymore, and then kind of drops Nelkovich on the ground. I really do think that the Carolina Hurricanes mistreated Alex Nedeljkovich for a little while, and Jack LaFontaine sees that, and it's kind of popping up a red flag and that, you know what, maybe he's going to have to spend two years in the AHL here, whereas, you know, he can hop in on, say, you know, Ottawa, who, you know, Joey Dackard, for instance, is playing a handful of games. But other than that, you know, they've got Matt Murray, who hasn't really worked out for them. I think they still have Gustafson. Yeah, uh, Philip Gustafson. He's played this year, um, played some good hockey. Uh, they've got Hurricanes legend Anton Forsberg over there playing some pretty oh, good God, hockey. Right. They have the six foot eight phenom Mad Sogard uh, still in the sim. We have another guy, Kevin Mandelis, who came in from the QMJHL, young kid. Um, he was a goalie of the year there last year, I'm pretty sure. So they have some options, no real clear front runners. But I, I would, I would assume Sogard that... is the player that Ottawa drafted while the Canes drafted Jamison Reese and Anthony Honka with the picks from that trade. Well, I would assume um, going into a, into a situation where you've got you know competition from all those other young prospects – a lot of which are the senators have spent, you know, legit capital uh, to acquire. I, I would, I would, if I was LaFontaine, I'd be a little more wary going into that situation where you're like, okay, well, I have to beat out, you know, three or four guys my age or younger who this organization has invested a lot of time in. And not, not only, not only time, but the, like, you know, draft capital to acquire uh, Gustafson and they gave up draft capital to acquire uh, Mad Sogard and, you know, put time into developing these guys. When, when you're against, 
you know, competition like that, I would probably prefer to go into like, a, like I said, a situation like the Hurricanes where, you know, you've, you've kind of got a free reign, a free path right to the net and all you got to do is take it, right? Right. I mean, a player is going to do what's best for him. And with, with college players, it's always kind of a risk because they have that option, like we saw with Prisky uh, with Washington. They have that option of just, you know, saying, you know what, bye, I'm going to bet on myself. And with, with CHL players, they have that option, but very few CHL players are going to be NHL ready coming out of whatever league yeah. they played in. Yeah, most, most um, of those guys are just thankful they get a contract right. offer. So we see, we see college players coming out and signing with different teams because they are more prepared for the NHL because for the most part, they're older. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, you know what, while we're on the topic as well, is there really a more overhyped time of the year in the NHL than college free agent season? So I was thinking about this. It makes me so mad every year because like, I know most of these guys aren't going to turn into anything, and I feel like everybody's kind of in waiting mode this time of year. You're waiting on your team's top prospects to sign and you're waiting on the trade deadline because the trade deadline or the trade deadline is typically passed, but this year the trade deadline hasn't passed. You're waiting on the playoffs and that's not there yet. You're waiting on all those storylines. And then you know what? Like, yeah, we're just getting all college the fun free agents this year. College free agents are kind of coming and like, it's in the lull where we're not quite talking about the playoffs yet, but the trade deadline's passed, so there's really not a lot of stories being built. And so college free agents come in and hockey media latches on and goes, ooh, shiny. And most of these guys aren't going to turn into anything. But I'm always sitting there like, you know what? Like, I just wish the Canes would sign one so I have something to talk about. Yeah, like, right. I know it's going to be overhyped. I know the player's not going to be good. I just want the Canes to sign a guy so that I can just be like, oh, hey, here's this player. Let me talk about him, get some content in for a day. Well, I mean, take a look at the history of the guys they've signed. The past few years, I can remember Chase Prisky. He didn't work out here. He had his obvious flaws, but he was very hyped up as far as his class went that year. He was one of the most talked about guys. And you see how that turned out here. They have <laughs> right. uh, Pritchard, who we mentioned earlier. Podorowski, who we mentioned earlier. You know, these Jerry guys Welsh. never... Yeah, these guys never really turned into much. Rasmus Tiernan, yeah, just nobody who's ever really come in and impacted the group at all. So you look around the NHL too, and uh, it, it's been the same thing. And it, it, this story has been going on for, you know, as long as I can remember. I remember back, you know, maybe 10 years ago now in Ottawa, but my God, did they ever roll out the carpet for Stefan Costa back in the day? I mean, <laughs> they, they put this guy on like a larger than life pedestal and who knows where he is now, right? So, I mean. Right. And, and it's the same thing. Like a couple of years ago, Tara Hirose was one of the top college free agents. I think he might've been the top one. Detroit signed him and they were like, oh, this is such a big signing for Detroit. The dude's not even a good AHL player. Yeah. So it's like, I'm sure you can remember a guy that the Canes signed that was overhyped in college free agency. You don't know with these guys, because if they've gotten passed over in this many drafts, like their odds of making the NHL are pretty slim. Yeah, college free agency is, I, I barely pay attention to it for a reason. I mean, every once in a while you get like one guy that's like, okay, he's going to make an impact in the NHL. And half the time those guys don't even pan out. So it, it's such a crapshoot, really. I mean, it, the college game is just so far away from the NHL. Like it's such a step down from the AHL. You don't know how those guys are going to perform once they actually get to playing against men in the pro style game. Like it just, right. it just doesn't work out more often than not. 
I will say real quick, uh, the Wolves were down 4-1 to one entering the third period. Dominic Bach just had an absolute snipe of a one-timer. He continues to uh, come along pretty nicely, and they are now only down by one. That is yeah, his sixth goal in, yeah. in 16 games this season, but he has 10 points as well. Yeah, I, I was like going to say, we could, like we could almost mention Bach um, as a prospect of the week. He's definitely been heating up lately, and in, in a couple of the games I've watched, I really starting, I'm just starting to see him come into his own a little. Uh, he definitely looks more confident. You know, we're we're really seeing what the what the Hurricanes saw in him when when they acquired him. Right, he's in he's always in the right place at the right time. And stop me if you've heard this, guys. It's crazy what happens when you give a player ice time and put him on the power play. No, we haven't heard that before. All right, it's insane um, because Bach, we saw he was playing fourth line minutes with this team in Sweden this year barely puts up any points. I think, uh, let me go back to make sure. Yeah. You have three points in 20 games and that's got nine, 10 points now in uh, 16 games with the wolves. And it's just because he's getting power play time and he's getting a decent amount of ice time per game. That's yeah, all it you took saw last year too. the same thing, right? When he, uh, after the World Juniors, right when he went back to his his main club in Sweden, where before he he was barely barely playing, barely seeing the ice, uh, fourth line minutes, then he explodes at the World Juniors, and next thing you know, he's scoring almost every game um, for his club over in Sweden. So I mean, you know, it, it's it's not really uh, rocket science. It it shouldn't be such a foreign concept, but uh, you know, you put scores and a scoring role in a position where they can score goals and. That's usually what happens. So, I mean, good thing the uh, the Wolves coaching staff has finally come around and given Bach the role he needs to be successful because he was being totally wasted um, overseas earlier this season. Just totally yeah. wasted. It's just, and it again, it's like you said, it's not rocket science. And it makes me kind of wonder like if these people are actually good coaches because they have a player who it has been proven that when you give him ice time and put him on your power play, he's going to be good. And yet the coach is like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to play him so little that he has to leave our team and then he wants to leave our team because he knows he can just find a better opportunity elsewhere. It's moronic. And I say that, but, you know, his your Gardens team was the best damn team in the league this season, I'm pretty sure, or at least very close to it. But still, you know, you you really have to wonder, like, what his deal is. But... I was also going to mention briefly that Noel Gundler is missing two games in the relegation series against HV71 and also Zion Nubek. He got suspended for two games. I think it was for a dirty hit in overtime. I don't speak Swedish and I can't even read it. And so I didn't translate the article. I was going to say there's a little translator tool on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I read the tweet and that's how I got the thing. And then I was like, I'm not translating the article because I was at work. But so, yeah, Gundler is out for two games. We're not going to talk about his discipline being an issue, because it's not. It's a little unfortunate. Um, Hopefully one of those guys, yeah, hopefully one of those guys will get a transfer so they're not stuck playing in the second tier next year. Mind you, the second tier in Sweden isn't really all that bad. Um, It's producing NHL talent. It's probably the top top end teams in that league could probably contend in like the Finnish Liga. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. They'd, they'd at least be playoff teams. And that that's kind of crazy. So, I mean, like, it's not going to be bad for either player's development. I think it would be worse for Gunlers because he has spent so much time in the uh, SHL. 
But I think one thing we do need to look at is we're going to see those playoffs come to an end pretty soon. And so we could be, and I, again, I don't want to say we're definitely going to be hearing of a Jack Drury signing because I I'm kind of eating crow on the LaFontaine thing, but I think it's something to keep an eye on that Jack Drury could possibly sign with the hurricanes after this season. Well, I hope so, man. What a year he's had over in Sweden, right? Uh, Proving that he can play uh, a vital role at the pro level. And he's been a key a key piece to that. Where is he playing? Vashko? Yeah, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. I just yeah, call it Vashko. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. But man, like he just <laughs> he's uh, he's playing a key role there. And you know, we've seen uh, the development from him. Obviously, responsible at both ends of the ice, and you know, he's really contributing and turning a corner uh, offensively over there. You know, that's one concern you always have with certain two-way guys is if they can transfer their offense from you know lower levels into the pro leagues and he's proven over in Sweden this year that he can do that so I I think he can come over and you know probably help out the the Wolves group down the stretch if he does decide to turn pro and uh, he's a guy that will probably be in the mix in the next couple of years right and I mean that's assuming he doesn't get moved along because he's a pretty good trade ship if they want to go that route too right and I thought that was a guy at... that can move for at this deadline. I think in my, uh, you know, my trade deadline article, I think that might have been actually the guy that I mocked as my trade for I follow. Pretty sure yeah, it was. I mean, Drury is is definitely could be used as a trade chip, but I think he has a lot of value and could be, you know, absolutely a really good hurricane. So I, mean, I think so too. See, he fits the system the time well. Where we we can hear more about Jesper Selgren and. Will next season finally be the season where he spends a full year in North America? Who knows? Because <laughs> since he signed his entry-level deal, which was a two-year deal, he has yet to play in the... I think it was a three-year deal, wasn't it? Didn't he? Yes, he, he played some playoff games, didn't he? He played the checkers for the playoffs, but he didn't um, spend a full season. Last year, he got lo- loaned back to Lulia to finish their season because he, right. he had a year left on his contract. And then this year, he stayed... And played with Frolunda. Yeah. Or Frolunda. I, I, I continue to think, man, Selgren could probably hold his own tomorrow night in the NHL. I, I really do. Just on your third pairing, probably not in a ton of minutes, but he's just a solid defenseman, man. Oh, sure. And the, the thing is, like, he's another lefty. The Canes currently have five. Right, exactly. So, but I think that's really it. There's There's not a ton of prospects that I really want to – want to cover too much more because i mean we're still kind of in the waiting game with a lot of these guys you know all the ncaa prospects are going to be done i got to watch cade weber and dominic fensori play um in the frozen four which was not a good game i love and hate college hockey at the same time because when the games are good they're really good you know i don't know if you guys watch college hockey at all I've I've watched um, mostly North Dakota games this year. Right. I I mean, beyond that, not a ton. Because when 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 college hockey is fun, it's it's probably more fun to watch than NHL hockey. Oh, I love it! It's yeah. But then it sucks because there are so many games that are boring, or you get frustrated because the players just aren't good, or they're not making good decisions. You know, and it's it makes you kind of mad. And that was the Boston University versus St. Cloud State game. Boston University played like they just d- 
didn't want to win. And it's like Cade Weber mostly saw penalty killing shifts and did fairly well. He got kind of puck focused on one goal, but you definitely noticed that his his reach and like just his size yeah, is an, huge. It's imposing in the offensive zone and he can kind of once he adds a little bit more weight to his frame, he's going to kind of impose his will on the opposition. Fensori is a breakout machine and really good at getting his own entry. I think he was the only player other than David Ference on that team that didn't dump the puck in because Boston well, University loves to trade him though. No, Hurricanes need, yeah, they can't have that. I mean, you don't know. This team does not carry the puck. We are dumpers. <laughs> We just take a huge dump at center ice. That's what happens. Dump and chase hockey, baby. <laughs> All right, Paul Maurice. But so, yeah, I mean, like it was, it was a, I noticed good things from both players. And with David Ferentz leaving school, Fensori will absolutely be the number one offensive defenseman on that team next year, which is exciting. You know, he's going to get those first pair, uh, first, he might get first pairing minutes, but he'll definitely get first power play time. So that's something to keep an eye on. I mean, again, it was just one of those games where I just, I got frustrated because it was like all of Boston University just dumped the puck in and didn't chase the puck. They just kind of let St. Cloud State have it every single time. All right, we got fan questions. Let's get into them, baby. All right. So this first one is from Mr. Moustache. And I think we kind of already talked about it, but he says, you know, thoughts on the goaltending situation for next year and what those contracts might look like. I mean, for me, I'm not giving Ned more than a year or two. Yeah, you got to see how this season wraps up. With Mrazek, I'm fine with giving him three or four years. Well, you got to see what the guys do for the rest of the season, right? I mean, it could, like, Mrazek could just, it could totally just go the other way for him tomorrow, right? We don't know where he could get hurt again. I mean, it's just, there's just so many variables uh, in play from now to the end of the year. So I think, I think that's a better question uh, to ask when the Hurricanes are done playing hockey this summer. Well, when Ned drops three more shutouts next week, our next podcast is going to be entitled "Is Ned Pay- Playing then Himself Out just of a Hurricane?" Give contract. him a lifetime contract, right? Mm-hmm. Just give him a lifetime deal. He's, pr- he's pricing himself out, man. I don't know. So the next one is from Bert Noak. I think is how you. I don't know how you pronounce it. So please correct me. He says, "When is uh, Gardner coming back?" And Rod Brindamore said, "Soon." <laughs> Hopefully, man. They need <laughs> That's him. all we know. They need him. That third pairing. Uh, listen, as much as I love Hayden Fleury, as much as I love Jake Bean, shout out to Hayden Fleury finally scoring that goal the other day. Huge goal. How have um, we not talked about that yet? Anyway. Yeah, um, they, they need Jake like Gardner, man. Um, they've, yeah, th- that third pairing, is just, they, they've had their struggles, right? I mean, they're showing that they're two young defensemen uh, still trying to find their way in the league and, you know, seeing the rookie mistakes or the young mistakes that you would expect from those two guys in that spot. So I think Jake Gardner would really stabilize that pairing. Probably if it was up to me, beside Hayden Fleury to start, I just think they complement each other really well. And Gardner and Bean they could be a disaster as well, but uh, I'm sure that, I'm sure those guys are all going to rotate in. Well, stay tuned next week for when I give my why Hayden Fleury is the ideal target in the expansion draft for Seattle lecture. <laughs> Alex, I mean, it's pretty tough. logical. Tough. It's honestly, honestly, tough. Just honestly. move on. Next question. Right. Next question. <laughs> honestly, Charlie pretty logical. Next question. What are our dream Dougie contracts and what are our nightmare Dougie contracts? And I'm going to start and say anything involving an eight is a nightmare, whether that be term or dollar value. Yep. Yeah. 
I'd say no more than like five by six. He's gonna get more than six million dollars, dude. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I w- five and six point five. Like, uh, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too deep into it. I just, I, I just don't think they should re-sign him. I just, I really don't. With with the price he's gonna want uh, and the term he's gonna come in at, I, I don't think they should do it. I'm just, I'm going right on record. I don't think they should do it. Uh, you have the depth to replace him. I don't you agree with that. You won't replace him, but you have the depth to make up for the loss. And I think take I think take you've got his contract go. and run with it the first couple of years, and then you know get mad later on after you've won five it's, Stanley yeah, Cups exactly. in the first five okay. years of Dougie Hamilton. Not really where contract. I was. Go- not really where I was going with it. But uh, it's if, if he signs a long term big money deal, it's going to be a deal that's looked back on and regret, and you're going to end up in kind of the same situation that. Um, San Jose is in with Brett Burns and Eric Carlson and that LA is in with Drew Doughty and you know uh, there's a bunch of other situations around the league that would fit the bill I would love to be in LA's situation in a few years and get to look back on Stanley Cups you can't be paying for past production you can't be paying Dougie Hamilton he's got like 32 points this year yes I know but (laughs) when you're paying a guy long Dougie Hamilton as Dude. long as the Canes can ride this Dougie Hamilton. All right. On our tailgate thing the other day, you said you don't think he's that big of a part of a group. And I, that that's just not – objectively, that is just not accurate at all. Like, he is this team's offense on the back end. Brett Pesci mm-hmm. has, what, like 18 points or so. He's had a really good year offensively. Otherwise, that's we've it. had flashes from Bean and what does Slavin have, 10 points maybe? Dude, he is so important to what this team is doing right now because right. he has taken Slavin off the power play. Has well, limited his like, offense. Well, hold on, direction. hold on. I got, don't I got take more me out of context here. That's what you said, though. No, it's not really what I said. Don't take me out of context here because just what I'm saying is yes, I know he's vital to the group right now. Um, but when you're talking about a long-term uh, contract with a guy who's going to want to be paid amongst the top defensemen uh, in the league, which you know, I guess the production would probably say is deserving um he's not going to settle for less uh and i'm not i I never expect a a player to take less to stay in a situation like if if he does sign for less than his value like good thanks but i'm not expecting that so you know you're going to be paying him with the top guys at his position and you're probably going to be doing that for seven to eight years and i just don't see you getting any value um from that deal five years down the road from now Look, if we don't know what the market's going to look like for one, and we don't know any of the variables like, you know, what Dougie wants, what he values in contract negotiations. You don't. So, yes, you have to be yes, you absolutely. But you have to you have to be careful on what you give him. I would love to see something in a five year range. And, you know, I think the Hurricanes would do this banking that or hoping at least that his defensive game would step back or step up a little bit more. Uh, being another year removed from his leg injury. I think, you know, not that he's a highly mobile guy, but hopefully he can at least get a little bit better from where it is right now. And you just see his, mm. you know, overall defensive game step back a little bit or step back up a little bit more. Yeah, and that's right. I think is on this team. Well, sure, but I think they're comfortable giving him seven – up to seven, maybe a little over seven million per year right. for four or five. I'm years. fine with that number, well, but it's got to be four years tops, maybe five, because you can, you like listen. You just cannot be paying a guy in six, seven, eight years from now what he's worth today. You just cannot. It never ages well, and it will not age well with Dougie Hamilton. That's where I'm at. 
Well, Here's like I said, at some point you have to pay your stars. And if the Hurricanes want to contend for Stanley Cups, they can't just like, you know, let Dougie Hamilton. No, no, there's leave. a lot of truth to that too. There is, but yeah. you, but you've got to pay the right guys. Stephen Lorenz, you told us that you listened to the podcast, and I hope you weren't lying. If for some reason you've made it this far into this one, <laughs> please tell Dougie Hamilton that if he takes a team-friendly deal, I will give him a nice, firm handshake. And he gets to come on the 15th best <laughs> hockey podcast in the Czech Republic. Yeah, who could say no to that? <laughs> All right. That's facts, uh, our, our, our listeners might not get that joke, but nope. anyway. That's so, fine. All right, so... The next question comes from Luke Schull, who says he's going to get um, banned from asking questions after this one. I don't even think it's that bad of a question. Surely the Canes are all, are all over Joachim Nordstrom as the bottom or as the top six rental with a laughing emoji. But for real, he asked, you know, what our like ideal trade um, deadline kind of acquisitions are, and we've kind of already talked about like a few guys we'd like to see the Canes acquire. It's um, Alex Iafalo is the answer. Yeah, Iafalo, uh, Raquel, Arvidsson. You know, we've been over right. it. A lot of those guys are going to cost a lot. And then he asks, yeah, we, uh, go back to our trade deadline episode, Luke. Right. Loyal listener that you're posed as. Right. Come to find out you're not. Dang, Brandon. Just coming for everybody's <laughs> yeah, the hostility. Today. God, I'm, yeah. very hung- I'm very hungry. Cut me some slack. Yeah, he's angry. He's angry. <laughs> and then, I'm angry. Uh, right. Luke, to answer the second part of your question, I play Destiny 2 on PlayStation 4, hopefully PS5 in the next like six months. Baby, um, if true. And then I know it's just an opinion, but who is the most like... Oh, this is from Sam Kinney. Sorry, I just started reading. Um, he asks, he says that he knows it's just an opinion, but who do we see as the most likely trade acquisition that the Canes could get? Ugh, I don't know. With the way that trade shook out today. Yeah, who knows? Like that, yeah, that kind of throws a wrench in things. Like teams are going to offer something stupid for Hall, and then Raquel's going to go for like two first round picks, and everybody's going to wonder why, you know? Like, Raquel's going to go for a lot. It, yeah, it sounds like the Hurricanes want to acquire a guy with term, right? So I think you can, I think you can just take guys like Hall. Um, off the list and right. focus more on like the Raquel and Arvidsson types, and you know I'm oh, sure right. there's but other I'm saying that at. kind of you know sets the market. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. I wouldn't write off the Hurricanes getting a rental. I know what Don Waddell said, but it, I don't know, man. It still just makes more sense to me from a cost and financial right. standpoint to get a guy that's a rental if if the price is right and if the player is right, but. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree, but it just seems like they don't really want to purge future assets for, you know, a guy that doesn't really have any future in the group. I think, obviously, it makes sense, but I think, you know, the front office would be more comfortable with maybe giving up a little more and getting someone that, you know, can, can grow with your group and will be here a little longer. So it right. makes it makes sense. And uh Especially after how the Vatnin situation unfolded last year. I can't really blame them for taking that stance. All right. Well, that's it for the questions we have. And I think we've probably talked long enough on this episode. So this is episode nine. We want to thank you so much for listening to this one and the previous eight episodes. We hope that you found it very enjoyable and that we will see you again very soon. For now, as always, it's a great time to be a Canes fan. Go Canes.